Hello and welcome to episode two of the uh, Strikeout UK podcast. Uh, so here today, I'm joined by Shane Barkley, the owner of Japanbo, a former worker for MLB as a commissioner of international baseball and also a consultant for the World Baseball Classic. So thank you, Shane, for joining the show today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So how are you finding quarantine over in California? Oh, it's, you know, it's interesting times, but I'm here in, in Santa Cruz near the water. So it's not a place to be if, oh, yeah. if you can't really go anywhere. So, um, you know, making the best of it here. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so first of all, starting from it, um, what was your time at working for MLB like? And do you have a standout moment from when you were there? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, always interesting because you know, even at the some, you know, what some may think is boring work, you're still doing baseball work. So, um, you know, it's always uh, interesting to learn about like how the game is progressing internationally, um, trying to figure out what different countries need in order to develop the game. Um, it was, I'd say a, a standout moment would be the couple of world baseball classics I worked on. Um, it's just such a fun international event and having anytime you're wearing the country across your chest, you know, it makes for exciting gameplay. So, uh, you know, I'd say that was always a highlight, even though it was a lot of work. Um, the, the time between those tournaments was also interesting, um, traveling the world and, and, uh, getting to kind of have baseball be the focus of those travels. Um, but you know, the big events like the WBC really were a highlight. That's brilliant. So, uh, as you probably know, yeah, baseball is not massive in the UK, but you grew mm-hmm. up with it in the US uh, all your life, straight from when you were born. So where where was it you grew up? What was your team growing up? Uh, yeah, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, specifically in the city of Cupertino, uh, which is next to San Jose, kind of Silicon Valley, um, and it's equidistant from San Francisco and Oakland. Um, so I actually liked both teams. Like, I guess I kind of was in giants territory, but, uh, it was, I mean, it's not so territorial there unless you, maybe you're from San Francisco or from Oakland. I didn't feel like it was a bad thing being a fan of both teams. Um, and even though I kind of started going to giants games and most of my friends are giants fans, uh, when I was in kind of the heyday of my baseball fandom as a kid, um, was when the A's, were really exciting. Um, you know, the Moneyball A's with Hudson, Mulder, Zito, Miguel Tejada, yeah. Jason Giambi. So like, it was kind of hard to not get into those teams. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I've just, I've liked both of them just as a, you know, hometown area, the two teams that represent the area. That's pretty cool. Did you get a chance to play when you were younger as well then? Yeah, I mean, I, I played... Um, as soon as I could walk basically um, <laughs> and fell in love with the game right away, uh, which is, you know, kind of an American experience. I think everyone plays like T-ball or most people play T-ball and then maybe they get away from the game. So um, that's a pretty cool thing here compared to what you all have over there. But um, yeah, I'd say that uh, it's, you know, I, I'm one of the people that stuck with it for as long as I could. And I really just played competitively baseball through high school Um but then played softball, like intramural beer league softball starting in college um, and kind of changed my focus at that point to trying to work 
in baseball rather than being a baseball player because I had to be a little more realistic about my aspirations because I did have the dream of becoming a professional baseball player for sure. Uh, But reality hit me pretty hard in high school. (laughs) So the big thing, uh, Japan ball. So how did the opportunity come up to do what you have done with it? Um, Yeah, so when I was at Major League Baseball, I was – um, working, uh, lucky to work with a fellow named Bill Bavese. Uh, he comes from a really strong baseball family. His dad, Buzzy, was the GM at the Dodgers during their glory years. And um, so Bill is a great guy. He's GM of a couple teams. It was cool to, that he came to work with us in the commissioner's office. And um, as I was kind of looking to maybe move back to California with my wife, we're, we're both from the same area. I was kind of exploring different opportunities to stay in the game because unfortunately uh, the job I had only existed in New York. So um, I kind of at first was thinking that I would do some sort of baseball tourism business, um, maybe taking teams like high school and college teams down to the Dominican Republic, which is where I used to live and work for MLB and when I studied uh, abroad there. so I was kind of thinking that would be fun to bring teams down there and kind of be part of the baseball culture in the, in the Dominican. And I talked to Bill Bavese because I had heard that his brother, Bob, um, had done similar baseball tourism work going to Japan. And um, so Bill put Bob and me in touch, and uh, that kind of led to me helping him on his trips as kind of a, uh, an assistant guide or, or so. Um, and I didn't really realize it quite at the time, but he was looking to get out of the business, uh, just because, you know, he was at retirement age. He had just bought a boat, wanted to sail the Pacific ocean and all over the place. And, um, so that kind of made me, uh, uh, led to the opportunity of, uh, taking over Japan ball. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of put my DR plans on hold because the Japan ball thing was such a great opportunity. Although I am looking to get back into um, uh, going to the DR and other countries as well under the Japan ball umbrella now. That's brilliant. So obviously you ended up working for Japan ball, but where did the uh, the interest in Japanese baseball come from? Um, I mean, in my previous, I, I'd say, well, I'll back up to, as just a baseball fan, um, someone who is just kind of voraciously um, consuming the game in all forms uh, as a kid and and through my adulthood like I definitely became aware of the Japanese game my dad would always go there um, as a kid uh, for business trips he would go there and then so when I was a kid and he would bring me back like Japanese baseball cards and talk about how exciting the games were over there and um, so that kind of piqued my interest and then um, once I started working uh, in the commissioner's office in the international baseball operations area um, that further exposed me to the game. My first game in Asia was um, the 2013 world baseball classic in Taiwan. And it wasn't Japan, but um, Taiwan and Korea played each other. And I'd never been to a game that exciting in my life. And uh, it kind of opened my eyes even further to the Asian game and, Taiwan and Korea take a lot of their cues from Japan and the, the game they experience and the style of play is pretty similar. So that really got me interested. And then 
um, in my work, uh, we still kind of continued to um, like our, our department helped with the process of bringing Japanese players to the major leagues um, in, in order to, you know, to sign contracts and that transfer and whatnot. So it just kind of was always around the Japanese game. And I think anyone who goes to a game there, um, they know as soon as they set foot in the stadium that it's a pretty unique baseball experience and you can't really help but like it. That's brilliant. You touched on what my next question was, actually. So I had many teams of the MLB over the years have picked up some amazing Japanese players, such as uh, Ichiro Suzuki and Shohei Antani, uh, just to name a couple. But do you see the future of Japanese players in the MLB growing? Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's definitely not going anywhere as far as, you know, players. It seems that the players that come over um, from Japan to the U.S., it's because they want to prove themselves against the best players in the world. I mean, Japan has a great league there, but it just seems like pretty consistently the players state that their motivation for going, you know, isn't necessarily money or isn't um, really uh, fame oriented or anything like that. It's really because they feel that to prove yourself to be great, you have to do it against the greatest players and um so in you know as competitive as great athletes are i I don't see that slowing down um but there are pretty rigorous protocols in place as far as um how a japanese player can come to the u.s to play so you know whereas a player from the dominican republic or other countries most other countries around the world it's kind of a free flow of players into the major league system in japan there's more restrictions put in place so i don't really see it becoming like a really big um you know like changing too much from where it is now because the powers that be in japan definitely want to protect their product and um you know they're a very legit league that makes a lot of money so they're not really interested in in losing all of their talent and um so i i think that i would expect it would stay about the same as you see it now that's fair enough. That makes sense, really. Uh, for anyone that didn't know, over in Japan, the main league is the NPB, which consists of 12 teams. Uh, other than the amount of teams there are, are there any other big differences between the NPB and the MLB? Um, yeah, I mean, there there definitely are similar, a lot of similarities, I guess I'll start with, is just um, you, know, you have two leagues, the Central League and the Pacific League. Um, you have... Uh, designated hitter in one league and not in the other. So that kind of division is pretty similar. And then the the winner of the two leagues plays each other in the Japan series. Um, But the differences, I'd say the main differences are um, on the field of play, it it definitely looks a little bit different. I mean, you you know, we see in the major leagues, you see guys, pitchers and hitters alike, both have pretty unique styles, you know, and, and, um, you know, of course, each row being very distinct, but a lot of the pitchers too. So in that sense, the game looks different um, just in that. And I think it looks, it's pretty cool. You know, there's a little more, um, I guess, flourish and style in the way that they do things um, in general. Maybe that's just to the foreign eye. I feel that way, you know, to them, maybe it looks more normal. Um, but then the actual style of play tends to be more small ball oriented, a little bit of a throwback compared to the major league game today. A lot of purists like the Japanese game because 
there's lots of sacrifice bunts, there's hit and runs. Um, there is, you know, it's, they're playing for one run at a time, not just playing for the three run Homer. Um, so that's different. Uh, really the main difference though, that any fan that goes to a game will notice is, is the fan, um, participation in, in Japan. Um, it's more similar to, uh, you know, football match, soccer match, um, in the way that they're just chanting the entire time it's coordinated. Everyone is focused on what's going on on the field. Um, and, you know, even to the extent that every single player on offense has his own custom song that the whole crowd will sing in unison during his entire at bat. And that's something that is very unique compared to, um, you know, the more laid back American style. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's the most distinct difference is, is the involvement of the fans in the game. Yeah, I've read and I've seen a lot about the, the culture and the, the respect that they have and the fans and they'd have some stadiums that have certain points in the stadium seats where it would just be for people coming in with drums, whistles, and they're so exactly. passionate. It's, it's crazy. It's brilliant, though. Yeah, and um, they even have that for the visiting team, too. So they'll have the designated spot for the... It's called the Oendon, which is kind of the, the official cheering section. Uh, that's really wild um, for the home team. But the away team, they'll travel even to the farthest games. They'll travel and, they'll, and the home team will sell seats to the visiting team as a way of like respecting the fan base of the, others, of the other team. That's brilliant. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going back onto the culture and uh, with the great respect, do you think that's something that we could learn to do? Would it benefit the role, like the MLB? Or? Certainly. I, I think, um, and I'm in Japan, this happens. In Korea, it really happens a lot where players are very bombastic on the field. In, in Japan, you see it too. And, it's, and no one really takes offense to it. Um, you know, you're respecting the other team that they can get excited and they can play with their passion and flair that they want but it's not something that is meant to demean the other team so that's definitely something that i think that um the modern major league game could uh benefit from and then the fans for sure i mean i think that it makes for a more interesting experience when the opposing fans are welcomed into the stadium and you know it helps when you keep them all together and and uh, it, it gives them a better presence, but also, you know, maybe I mean, in Japan, no one ever feels for their safety. But, you know, in in the States, I could see how maybe, you know, a Giants Dodgers game or Yankees Red Sox game, <laughs> you know, it may help if you put them together. So then it's not like you're just the one guy in a Red Sox jersey in Yankee Stadium. But it, it really kind of makes for a fun exchange. And, um, you know, it, it uh, like any game experience you know it's it's fun when there's not just competition between the on the field but between the fans and it and it doesn't have to be um violent or angry um you know there's a the fans play a big part in japan even to the extent that after the game the players all bow towards the fans and um i think that that respect between the players and the fans and then the fans um be, to the other fans and then the front offices to the other front offices where like they'll even 
in Japan, they'll sell the merchandise of the other team too, because they know that if you're coming to support your team, it, it may not be the home team, but you still want to buy, you want to represent your team. And if, as the home team, why not make a few bucks off of it? You know, it, it seems to make sense. And um, it's not, it would be kind of sacrilege, I think, in a lot of sports all around the world to sell um, the merchandise of the opposing team and to treat the fans well. But, um, you know, that's kind of just a reflection of the Japanese culture. And uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot of hope for that elsewhere, but I do think that it's something that adds to the overall experience in a positive way. And it'd be nice if some um, some teams took their uh, took the lead of the Japanese way in how they create the fan experience. Oh, definitely. I saw something about one of the stadiums in Japan where if you bought a ticket for the museum, and then you got a ticket for the game. They'd give you a free jersey if you wasn't if you if you was from outside Japan. And that's that's so cool. More, yeah, more people, more people. It's brilliant. Yeah, uh, I've never heard that. That's great. Uh, so, do you get to visit Japan often? And what was it like on your first visit? Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, we we try to do one to two trips per year um, to Japan. So that, and then when we go. You know, it's for a pretty extended period of time. I'm, I end up being there for three to four weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty regular at this point that I go there. Um, I mean, it, it's such a awesome country for so many ways. It's like they just take a lot of great care in doing the best uh, job they can in whatever profession they're in. So that extends to, you know, the obvious things like, making good food and drinks and you know clothing and stuff like that but also like even if if you are someone that's in the service industry or or maybe someone like a janitor type person that's in charge of cleaning like they take a lot of pride in their work and that's just the cultural thing and so therefore like the whole country is clean um people are there's no like shame in doing your job in, in whatever job you have, there's just pride in doing it well. And so then that, that just kind of multiplies throughout the whole country. And, and that's um, a big part of why like Japanese products, whether um, just kind of more material things or consumable things are a very high quality. And um, that just makes for a, a nice experience for anyone there. Um, and uh, I love to eat, so I love Japanese food. When I go there, it's just like a, I'm just kind of hurrying from place to place, trying to try as much as I can. And um, so that's kind of one of the most exciting things for sure. Uh, when I first went there and every time I go there since then and forever when I do go there in the future, because it's just kind of endless um, culinary adventures as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I've never had the chance to try much Japanese food, but. It's, it's on the list <laughs> yeah yeah i mean maybe in the uk it's not, not quite the same but no. i recommend it. i'm sure in london there's some really high-end japanese places that do the job but they probably yeah. cost you a lot there <laughs> oh, it, it will do yeah <laughs> so uh, over the years the mlb has played series in countries like they did it in japan they've also done it in the uk they did it in london do you see any more countries getting added to the list in future years yeah, I do. I think um, the commissioner has publicly um, stated his desire to grow the MLB brand and internationally. Um, 
they play in Mexico. They play in Puerto Rico. Um, they did a spring training game in the Dominican Republic this year. Um, yeah, Australia. I wouldn't be surprised if they went back there. Japan seems to be definitely a regular thing. Um, and you know, the London game was really cool last year, and too bad it was canceled this year. We were we were actually going to do a tour there, but of course it was canceled. Um, yeah. But the I know the Netherlands is really strong and trying to push for a major league game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see yeah. that happen. Um, and, baseball. Mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, the commissioner has even stated that he would like to have another team um, placed abroad. And of course you couldn't start too far away. I would assume, you know, maybe adding another team to Canada and then maybe Mexico, um, but, you know, I think it's within the realm of possibility to have a professional team in Europe or, you know, somewhere else in Latin America um, and just have that become the international games become more of a regular uh, occurrence. But um, for now, the the one off games, I think they're going to continue to happen um, as they try to grow the brand internationally. That's brilliant. Uh, so something for anyone that will be looking into watching the MPB. Uh, are there any similarities between any of the teams of the league and the MLB? Um, yeah, there's a couple kind of um, common comparisons made. So the Tokyo Yamiori Giants are often um, described as the Yankees of Japan. Um, <clears throat> they're by far the most known team. They were the first professional team in Japan. The, they've had all the best players. They've won the most championships. Um, they're you know, their team is represented throughout the whole country, largely because the games have historically always been broadcast across the country. The Giants games have. Um, and so for a lot of people, that's the only games they could watch on TV, for, at least for a long time. It was like that. Um, they have the, the most power, I'd say. And um, so I'd say, you know, that would be the the, the easy comparison. Then there's a couple other um like the Hanshin Tigers are probably the second most popular team, but they haven't had so much success. Um, I think that maybe people would equate them with the Chicago Cubs historically. Um, and then uh, in in Tokyo, there's actually five teams in the surrounding area. So you really the other four teams, um, other than the Giants, you could kind of say that they're all like the Mets. <laughs> like you could t- <laughs> like I've heard people compare multiple of the non-Giants Tokyo teams as the Mets. I think you could safely say all of them are kind of like the Mets. They're all second fiddle to the Giants um, and not quite as successful and maybe have sporadic success in the fan base and probably the team too, I assume, kind of adopts this uh, mindset of you know underdog mentality. So um, I think that, yeah, those would be the three comparisons I'd make to to major league teams that's brilliant so in that league is there any players that we should keep an eye on um man there's a lot of them but i'd say like the uh the players that i was like really into um have come over to the u.s recently um shogo akiyama went to the the reds and um yusei kikuchi went to the mariners um but, uh, I mean, there's so many exciting players. I'm kind of having a hard time um, thinking of a name. The catcher for the Hawks, uh, the Fukuoka Hawks, um, 
has a great arm and he's really fun to watch. And um, I guess I, I'm going to pass right now just because I'm having a brain cramp <laughs> of some other names. No but there'll be that many. But, yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting uh, doing a lot of research on it. A lot of the pitching styles were uh, came from Japan. So you got like uh, read something about screwball came from Japan. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I've, I've um, in in the Japanese pitching style is is more um, off speed oriented. You know, it's not so much just dependent on the power fastball. Um, pitchers don't throw quite as hard in Japan. So yeah, the screwball is much more commonly used in Japan, and I, I didn't realize it came from Japan, but I'm not surprised to hear it hear that it, it at least maybe became popularized there because. Um, they're pretty. The pitchers are pretty crafty there. Um, yeah. Not like I said, not just depending on velocity. Um, so yeah, there's you know what some people refer to as junk ball pitchers is kind of a common thing in Japan. Yeah. So do you have a favorite team over there? And if so, what brought you to that team? Um, yeah, I'd say I've kind of come to like the uh, the Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Um, they are basically, you know, really close to the Giants, um, but they're kind of the anti-Giants that they have this old stadium and um, it kind of the, what I was just describing about how the other teams are like the Mets. You know, I kind of I liked them because um, they just seem to be in the shadow of the Tokyo Dome and, and the Giants, and uh, their fans are really fun. They do this cool umbrella dance thing that's a unique tradition that. where they all have these <laughs> mini umbrellas and it's pretty fun to see and um they've had uh the last couple of years they've had this one guy uh vladimir Ballantine, um who is uh he's a he's had a lot of success internationally for the netherlands and, and in japan he hasn't he never really caught on in the major leagues but as a foreign player in japan he's a big star and i feel like every time I've ever gone to one of their games, he's hit a home run and it just kind of, and he's kind of this lovable big guy that um, the fans all really like. And I just started to like him too, because he has a unique story. Um, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say the swallows and, and their stadium, um, which unfortunately is uh, being torn down, but it's where Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig played um, back in their Japanese kind of famous tour back in the thirties. So, um, yeah, so they have a unique history too. So that I would, that's kind of my preferred team, but I confess that I'm mostly just a fan of the game in general and I haven't really adopted a team as a, you know, hardcore fan. It was brilliant as well, because like you said about Babe Ruth going in the, in the thirties, when he left, they, the country was in awe of him. They loved him. Mm -hmm. uh, which I think, I think is brilliant to leave that bit of legacy going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they that trip had a huge impact um, in Japan on in baseball. Really, um, kind of the popularity of baseball benefited a lot from that trip. Oh, definitely. Uh, do you know if there's any way that people can watch the MPB in the UK? And if not in the UK, can anyone in the US watch it? Yeah, it's it's actually not as easy as uh, one would hope. To be honest. Um, <laughs> In the UK, I can't speak specifically. Um, I'd say like a lot of people will have to use um, a VPN where they can set their location 
somewhere other than the country that they are. Um, so I don't know, I guess I won't get into specifics, but I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> uh, if you look on Reddit and different sites, there's, you know, people have their different ways and, and a lot of it's kind of team dependent. Some teams will post their stuff on YouTube, for example. Um, there's not really national consolidated television deals there. So it's a little bit sporadic. Um, but I've, I've kind of done a lot of different ways of figuring it out. And I think I'll let the listeners figure out their own way too. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so it's a bit of a fun bit. Do you have a bit of a sales pitch for to get anyone into watching their Japanese baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, the easy way would be to say try to get to a game in Japan. Uh, of course, come on our tour, which we have a bunch of different options. Um, whether you want to see all twelve teams or just the five in Tokyo, for example. Um, but if not, just when you're going to Japan. I mean, Japan's a great place to um to travel to even if you're not a hardcore baseball fan and catch a game and then once you do that then th that is your sales pitch going to a game for sure um but you know in of course not everyone has the ability to go to japan to watch a game um i would say that in light of what's going on in the major leagues right now um and how it's really unfortunate how money seems to be um, a, there's a good chance that money will prevent this major league baseball season from being played and baseball has a chance to really be in the spotlight and help, uh, the United States kind of come together and, and, uh, rally behind something as a nation right now in all these difficult times. And, um, it looks like, I, I mean, I really hope that it works out, but, um, either the players or the owners or the two of them combined may blow it and miss their opportunity. And, um, in Japan, it's a much more, um, for lack of a better term, pure version of the game that's not as corrupted by uh, money and labor versus ownership, that, that classic rivalry. Um, you know, the, in Japan, there's never really any talk of like what's fair and what's not fair. Like everyone was on the same page and was able to come to a a solution where as soon as it was safe and viable, they started playing baseball. And um, I mean, they're, in, they're just training right now. They're going to start the official season in a few weeks, but um, it's in Japan. There's not a history of, you know, labor lockouts and strikes. There's um, there's a sense of national pride that kind of supersedes the individual um, aspect of, playing the game and and uh i think that for a lot of a lot of people maybe get disenchanted with baseball not necessarily because of the game itself but because of the power dynamics or because of the changing um parts of the game whether it has to do with the individual players or uh just kind of big picture dynamics but in Japan, a lot of that stuff just hasn't really happened. So a lot of pure baseball fans who maybe enjoy the minor league game or the amateur game uh, gravitate towards um, the Japanese game and really the international game in general, whether that's other countries in Asia, like Korea and Taiwan, or whether it's the Australian Baseball League or uh, the many uh, Caribbean and Latin American leagues. Um, it's kind of baseball in a more pure for form and you don't really have to uh, be bothered by some of the issues that, that come up when you're talking about the billions of dollars that are at stake. 
yeah, it seems to be quite unfair with what the players have been asked to do and some players' reactions at the minute. And it's uh, like you said, I think it's going to prevent a lot of baseball being played. Yeah, it's it's kind of getting ugly, and I, I'm hoping they figure it yeah. out. I think one one thing just to add that I should have said in that last part is that the difference, or maybe the reason why uh, things are as I explained, is that in Japan. The teams are owned by corporations and they exist to be like kind of a marketing arm of that corporation representing the brand as opposed to an individual owner who's who's trying to maximize profit in running his team. So in Japan, uh, if you're owned by a corporation and running the team comes out of maybe a marketing budget of your company, the only thing that matters isn't the bottom line. it's, you know, it's the thing that matters is representing the corporation. And that's kind of the core of why that team exists, which is why the teams um, are called, for example, the Yamiori Giants, because the Yamiori Media Group owns the Giants. And, um, you know, all of the soft Fukuoka, SoftBank Hawks, of course, SoftBank owns the team. So um, they kind of represent a a corporation as much as a city and uh of course you know corporations don't necessarily make anything altruistic but the point is that those corporations rely on things other than baseball to make money and the baseball is not it's not so important that they're the company is uh making all their money off the baseball so i think that helps um you know when you really follow the money at the end of the day as how is as is helpful in analyzing things um that kind of changes the the dynamic of things in japan oh definitely uh on about where if baseball is happening or not uh during all this that's been going on there's been a sudden surge in the interest of kbo because they've been mm-hmm. able to play uh do you have any thoughts on that and is it something that you've been watching oh uh, yeah i've been checking it out um we're supposed to go and, and hopefully will still happen do our first uh, Korean baseball tour this year. Um, so I've been paying definitely more attention than I have in the past. I think it's great um, because it shows a lot of American baseball fans or, or not just American, you know, fans of major league baseball, <laughs> I should say, of yeah. course, since talking to you that there's other <laughs> options out there. Um, and that, uh, you know, the, the Korean game, the, the one thing that's too bad is that since they're not really, uh, they're not allowing fans in the stands, um, you can't really see that dynamic, uh, the fan aspect of things, and because the fans in Korea are awesome, similar to what I described in Japan. And um, so in that sense, you, you're not getting a full spotlight on what they have to offer. But, um, you know, it's great for people to see this other version of the game and, um and like I said, I think that the Korean game takes a lot of its cues from the Japanese game, which maybe the Koreans wouldn't like to hear that, but I think it's definitely true. Um, and so like, I think it kind of just puts a spotlight on Asian baseball in general, which is good to see because it's a great alternative. Um, it's a good product. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that any baseball fan would be interested if they just gave it a chance, which a lot of them are giving a chance now because it's the only thing out there. Oh, I 100% agree. I couldn't say it any better myself. It's, it's been brilliant to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on from uh, the Japanese league for a little bit, 
uh, and introducing some more countries. Uh, what was it like being part of something as big as the World Baseball Classic? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. You know, it's a it's a <laughs> tournament um, that exists. Like, it's not. You know, it's similar to the World Cup in that it's every four years, international tournament, whatnot. But one difference is that it it um, takes place in multiple venues around the world simultaneously. Um, so that's kind of why my first reaction is, well, it's a lot of work, but it's super rewarding um, because it's there was nothing like this in baseball before the first one in, in 2006. And um, it's still a growing event. And it's it's just so cool to see baseball players like wearing their country on their jersey and like fighting for national pride and it's it's a bit of a newer concept but um it's as soon as the game starts it's like the most important thing in the world to these guys and a lot of players didn't necessarily have dreams of becoming world baseball classic champion as a kid growing up but um it's that idea is is becoming more of a, a goal for the modern baseball player. And I think kids growing up now who are able to see the WBC being played, um, it kind of has that it's giving more allure to the international game. Um, so, I, I mean, I, for me, like the main thing I think about is just like how passionate these players are. They're playing in March, which is normally spring training and, you know, very casual <clears throat> atmosphere, but um when they're playing in that tournament, it's like, it's like the actual world series, you know, that puts the world in world series. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super exciting. Um, and, uh, to see some of these teams that are put together with, um, you know, whether it's the super teams that, you know, have a lot of major league players, or it's also really cool to see the smaller teams where, um, for a lot of these baseball players this will be the culmination of their baseball career and um, you know maybe on a team like I don't know Australia for example they'll have a few big leaguers on the team and then they'll have a bunch of guys who maybe played in college or playing semi-pro and um, it's really cool to see the mix of players that are involved and um, and it's, it's just a really special experience no matter what your baseball um credentials are that's brilliant so what did your job itself entail then uh yeah we mostly i say like i could divide it into two things one was enforcing the rules of the tournament um so you know the nitty-gritty stuff like pitch counts um like actually taking the pitch counts you know do it uh, taking the official count and then talking to the managers and pitching coaches before and after the games to make sure that they're aware of the limitations um, and stuff like that, but also more uh, big picture stuff like the format of the tournament and the tiebreakers and um, kind of how the tournament rules differ from standard baseball rules and making sure that those are all followed and, and that the necessary parties know about it. Um, so that's kind of one area, that kind of rules and regulations area. And then um, also, I guess what I would refer to as team operations, which is just kind of team logistics, like f- from formatting the roster and working with the respective baseball federations on formatting the roster and getting the proper permissions from the major league teams 
for their players to play. And then once you have your roster, um, you know, getting to the location and um, the movements of the team throughout the venue and from the hotel and um, kind of everything that the team is doing uh, from a planning and scheduling perspective, <clears throat> which is something that I kind of enjoy that stuff. It's just in my personality, which is why, um, which is why I kind of transitioned to the job I have now, which is similar in a lot of ways. You're planning international baseball trips, um, except yeah. rather than playing games, we're watching the games, but you know, <laughs> I, I enjoy putting together an itinerary and, and um, kind of making sure an experience goes smooth for people um, and creating a, an enjoyable experience. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what we were trying to do for the teams in the WBC because the players and coaches and federations, for a lot of them, this is going to be the most special baseball experience of their life. And we wanted to make sure um, that that it kind of met their standard or super, or, you know, exceeded their um, expectations and standards as far as uh, what in what a baseball tournament is for them. That's brilliant. It sounds like a great time you had there as well, working. Yep. Working everywhere you had, to be fair. Um, so staying on to the topic of the World Baseball Classic, the return of baseball to the next Olympics, do you think that's going to affect it at any point? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I, I think it will affect the WB well, it will directly affect WBC in a sense of it was supposed to be played next year. WBC was, and since the Olympics are pushed back now, WBC is not going to be played next year. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as like it is the world baseball championship, the Olympics definitely takes precedent there. Um, the, the Olympics coming back, um, or baseball coming back to the Olympics, I think, won't necessarily affect the WBC so much, but will have a profound impact on baseball. Um, and for a lot of countries around the world, the funding of the sport depends on, uh, is contingent upon whether or not that sport is an Olympic sport. So if you're, you know, just for example, um, Germany, right, they have a pretty strong kind of, um, niche baseball following and their national team is is competitive on um you know on an international stage but they they when baseball was removed from the olympics they pretty much lost all of their funding from the national um you know sporting bodies and then when baseball is restored back to the olympics then they got their funding back and that just has such a profound impact on countries around the world where that is replicated, you know, in Japan and United States, that's not the case where it doesn't really matter if baseball is an Olympic sports, you know, baseball players are going to be developing and getting opportunities, but around the world, even in really small, obscure countries, they're going to be having an Olympic program for any Olympic sport and, uh, it'll give kids an opportunity to play the game. So, um, so baseball being in the Olympics is a huge deal, uh, for the game internationally. And I know in our past job uh, in trying to develop the game internationally, we were always doing what we could to support the cause of baseball being in the Olympics because of that um, multiplying effect around the world. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. No, I agree. That's brilliant. Um, so a question that I ask uh, a few people is, 
over the years, you know, you've had multiple jobs, multiple amazing opportunities. Is there, have you got a favourite or more memorable player interaction from that? Player interaction, let's see. Um, I would say that my favourite player interaction, putting me on the spot here, uh, would be... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not a, the thing that comes to mind, actually... Um, was it isn't so much something that I had in, in my job. Uh, just I'd say mostly just because in my job we kind of adopt different mindset where we're not fans and you know have to yeah. kind of treat everyone in a very professional manner. Um, but one thing that comes to mind, like like as a kid when I first was like kind of in awe of the players um, or like they kind of like came out of their shell and like interacted with the fans was. Um, when the A's won the AL West um, division um, regular season, you know, they, they clinched the division title. And um, I was at the game in Oakland and the players came out on the field um, and kind of brought their celebration from the clubhouse onto the field. And, and I got like sprayed with champagne and they're high-fiving <laughs> everyone and running around the field. And it was really cool for them to um, – to celebrate with the fans, you know, and, and like make it feel like it was something that was to be shared, um, between the players and the fans. And that, that was like, yeah, you know, I, I told you, like, I kind of was born in Giants territory, became an A's fan. That definitely played a big part in it, that, that celebration. That's brilliant. That's a great memory. Uh, so last thing really is Shane, uh, where can people find you if they want to find out more? Yeah. Um, so we have, we have two, web, we actually, we technically have three websites. So I'll just go through them really quickly. So we have japanball.com. That is a source for Japanese baseball news and information. Um, there's a, a blog up there where we post our newsletters. And um, then we have japanballtravel.com, which is our international baseball tours. Um, you can find out all the information there. And then we have japanballtickets.com, uh, which is run independently by a friend of mine in Yokohama um, named Michael Westbay. And if you don't want to do one of our tours or just in Japan, as I mentioned before, and want to catch a game, he'd be happy to get you uh, tickets to a game and make sure that the language barrier doesn't really affect you there. So uh, we have those three websites. I mean, it really, if you just go to japanball.com, you can kind of uh, be directed where you need to go. And then we're on facebook instagram and twitter um japan ball travel um or japan ball if you search for that you'll find us there um, we're disseminating information about japanese and international baseball on those channels <clears throat> it's also just a forum to interact with other international baseball fans um and of course you can find out information from those social media channels about our our tours and whatnot too so uh yeah, we'd love to hear from any international baseball fans on on those uh, channels. That's brilliant. I'll send some people over. I know Dan, I've got a few people that are really interested. So I'll Great. Yeah, I'd over. appreciate that. The, <laughs> the Instagram and Twitter are kind of new, so um, where I'm trying to make some make it interesting and, and fun. So, uh, yeah, please send anyone our way. That will do. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining me, Shane. It's been brilliant talking Great. to you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you.